0: Welcome to Lectionary Call In for Tuesday, May 23rd, of 2023, where two laypersons, a pastor and an academician, gather each week to discuss the gospel lectionary for the coming Sunday. Today we gather at 6 30 a.m. Eastern, and for our friend Charles Willett in Minnesota, he's not with us today, but we look forward to having him back. Uh, and our other friend who sits in the pastor's seat, Bill Hull, is traveling and looks forward to rejoining us in a few weeks. Of course, This gives us a great opportunity to make new friends and hear new perspectives, and that's why John Ryder is with us today. A little more about that in a moment, Uh, but for now, how do things work? Uh, Each week, we prepare independently uh, for the Gospel Lectionary as we attempt to be faithful to year A. We then receive some formative questions from the week's leader, and then in this podcast, we share, question, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion.
1: Sarah Mickelson from Tampa.
0: I am John Ryder from Valrico, Florida.
1: <laughs> and I'm
0: Don Upton, and uh, I'm from North Carolina. Uh, John Ryder uh, is a pastor at Palmetier Presbyterian Church, church that makes this podcast possible, and one of his roles is the director of adult faith formation. So, John, we're glad to have you today, and. Sarah and I always uh, make sure, uh, as the lay people on this call, that we want to be sure we have a seminarian, a pastor, at our side as we work through the lectionary. And speaking of lectionary, I'm going to read uh, the scripture for today, and then we'll dive into some key questions as we go forward. Uh, Today's lectionary, uh, and it's the lectionary for the coming Sunday, the 28th of May, would be John 20. 19 through 23, that's John 20, 19 through 23, uh, also known as uh, John Pentecost. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And that's the word of the Lord. Well, today we've got three questions. I think I'll go through each of them just to set the stage because there's some interplay with those. The first is related to the opening words in this selection, and it's how does the first day of the week context of the passage impact your interpretation and its application? So part of the state setting is the first day of the week. The second question is going to be related to considering locked doors or being behind locked doors as a a prompt for some historical memories, perhaps an echo of the past in scriptures. And the third stays on the gospel of locked doors in terms of being a metaphor, or something can be applied to our own lives. But back to the first question, this interesting stage setting. Sarah, I'll, I'll start with you. Heads up. How does the first day of the week context of the passage impact your interpretation and application?
1: Well, I, I think first day of the week is a, a metaphor as much as it's an actual. Um, calendar kind of setting, so for me, it seems like it's a signal of something new. Um, the first day of the week, the first day of creation, um, you know I'm thinking of those moments where it was um, the inbreaking of light, so there's something new, something fresh, perhaps something unexpected, um, a new course, maybe a new direction, a new way of looking at what was. The world in which we we existed, and now it's so much more. Um, and then perhaps it's a letting go, a letting go of what came before, and being willing to um, see things with new eyes. And I think that's a trickier wicket for a lot of us because we have all this historical um, lack of better language baggage, might be luggage, might be trunks of things that we have. Um, experientially learned, and it's difficult to let go of those things and be open to what God would have us see. So for me, it's an interesting um, setting, almost as if there's this potential doorway that we're in this place, and from here, everything is new, everything is good, everything is moving us toward a different reality. Thanks. How about you, John?
2: I think like Sarah, I, I kind of picked up on, on the metaphor part of it as well. But but before getting into that, I mean, I, I think there's something to be said about the timeline of things, of this being the first day as well. I mean, this is, this is literally the night. This is Easter night. This is Easter evening. The resurrection has happened that morning. And so we've got these disciples who are locked in this room uh, for out of fear. Um, and, and, I mean, if you think about what has happened the past few days, they're traumatized as well. So it's not just fear of authorities, but, I mean, they've, they've been through significant trauma, um, and they're terrified. Um, but in the verses preceding this, we know that they're actually aware of the resurrection. Mary Magdalene has been there, and, and it says that she ran to the disciples to tell them. And so, um, you know, I, I kind of wonder a little bit about here at the first day of the week this evening, They know about the resurrection Did they not believe Mary Um, Did they um, Why aren't they rejoicing Why aren't they out looking for Jesus Um, Are they afraid of Jesus' judgment Because they kind of all abandoned him at the cross Um, But you know So there's a lot of fear in that room But we know the reality Was the resurrection Just happened that morning And so you know I, I am struck by the fact That this is not you know Days later, or things like that. This is this is re- the evening of Resurrection Day as being the first day of the week, um, and so there's. I think that's an important context to note, just in terms of the timeline and and the fact that even though they know the resurrection has happened, they're still huddled in, huddled in fear. Um, but in terms of kind of a metaphorical understanding of the first day, I, I kind of went with where Sarah was going to a little bit of the uh, new beginnings. Um, so. Jesus appears in their midst, says peace, breathes the Spirit upon them, and, and now it's kind of like and then they rejoice, and now it's time to get to work. So it's the start of something new. It's the start of their ministry. Um, and then I often think of, you know, the first day of the week for us is we're looking ahead to what's coming in the work week. And so this passage also says to me, you know, uh, w- this, as we think about our faith journey and what lies ahead for us, that it begins with acceptance of the resurrection. It it begins with receiving Christ's peace. It begins with receiving gifts of the Spirit to then get going. And so thinking about where in my life do I need to get going? Where in my life does Jesus need to um, appear and say, peace be with you as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And so those are some of my reflections on this first day peace. Thank you.
0: Sarah, I'm thinking about this as stage directions. Uh, The tendency when you're reading a play especially is to skip over what's usually in italics. A house on a hill with a porch with a power line, there's a bird. There's always, and I don't know about you, I got in the habit of skipping over that. And then as I matured, I read it very carefully because it matters. Where's this sitting? I think about on all the Gospels there's the setting on a boat in a storm, someone's asleep. Uh right, pay attention. And I think the author of John is saying when this launches, it does matter. I think there are folks going, Why are we spending time on stage directions? I think, well, because John said so. You know, and I've picked two for the questions today. The one is, uh, you know, locked doors, and the other is weak. There's not much more there. They're all together. It's a room. Uh, sometimes the simple things, uh, Sarah, I know, uh, act two of Waiting for Godot, they add one leaf to the tree. That's a big deal. The season's have changed. All it takes is a leaf. So I'd, I'd say, you know, let's pay attention, because it's meant, I think, for us to reflect on what that might mean. Before we get into it, take a breath. A room. People lock doors, first day of the week. If it were a play, you'd have to do some expedition, I think. You know, lock the doors and, oh, well, what a way to start mm-hmm. the week. You have to actually establish it. So as I went through it, reflecting on the first of the week, and I was surprised by the the cosmic versus the mundane in this because first day of the week is you know, the first day of creation. I, I, mm-hmm. I felt Genesis in this. So what, what are we creating here? You know, in Genesis, I know the story. I know all the steps of the creation, and I know where the breath comes in. <clears throat> and we're waiting for another breath, I think. This is the John Pentecost with the breath, but there are other breaths all through the Gospels and the letters. So we're waiting for the breath. We're waiting in creation for the breath. Uh, so I, I like the big, but I'm really attracted to, to the small of this, which is a week has a shape even today. It's 2,000 years ago, but we know what a week is generally. A week is where you put things. Context, worship, work, commerce, food, love, travel. It's got a shape to it, a human shape, the seven days. It's got a, you know, the seven days of creation. But also, I don't know about you folks, I do begin the week thinking in seven-day periods. That's the way we work. So we I think we're meant to understand this. And this one was more like a cliff. The seven days aren't the same looking forward. Because if they stay in the room, which apparently they're encouraged not to, they're even waiting in the wrong place. Not here. Go to Jerusalem. Go to the temple, depending on what reading you're making. Uh, they're in the wrong place. So I love the mundane. It, it's got a shape. The work of the Christ and the Spirit is domestic. Uh, it's related to the daily business and commerce, taking care of each other, and where people worship, and where they seek God, and the going out. I, I just, I, I just, it's all mundane and very uh, simple and very accessible uh, as long as they get out of there, uh, which is what the second question goes to as well. So John heads up. I'm going to send the next question your way. So in 2008, Bill Wallace, who taught lectionary class at Palmasia Presbyterian Church, a beloved teacher, uh, just taught generations of people about lecternary, he challenged the class at PCPC to consider locked doors or behind locked doors. I think he used to call it the gospel of locked doors. Setting as a prompt for historical memory and perhaps an echo of the past in the scriptures. Does this reading prompt any historical or literature kind of memory for you? John, let me go to you first, please.
2: Yeah, I, I think as I think about historical um memory prompts uh, for me this the first one that comes to mind is is the passage we're in which is disciples in an upper room doors locked and closed huddled in fear that's i mean and so um um but if you were to just say locked doors in the bible this is the first one that comes to mind um as i do a little more reflection i, I mean i think about um um two things one the 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 stone in front of the tomb um, that we've just had rolled away uh, at the resurrection that that morning are uh, preceding this uh, passage and and um, I think about that being moved to let forth something um, new come out into the world, you know the resurrection that that stone had to be moved in order for the resurrection to be um, you know brought into the world. Uh, but I, but I also kind of go back to the motivations. Like, if there's a locked door, there's a reason we lock doors, and it's fear, um, from almost always. I mean, we, we do have some references in scripture of prison doors being locked, um, and usually that's Paul in prison writing a letter. Um, but, but for me, I think of the motivation. We lock a door because we're afraid of what's on the outside. We want to protect what's inside. Uh, we don't want it to be stolen or harmed. So it's out of fear. And so the the historical memories it prompted for me were not so much about physically locked doors, but that, that, that notion of fear. And we've got the Bible's riddled with places where people are afraid of something and then they're comforted. And so in this moment, Jesus appears amongst them and says peace and brings peace to them. Um, but we also have, I mean, I think of, um, you know, at Advent we've got, um, you know, angels saying be not afraid comforting shepherds you know we've got um we've got lots of places where people are afraid and god uh whether it's through you know angels or whether it's through prophets or whomever is bringing a word of comfort and peace and so that was kind of the historical um, memory that brought to me was this idea of uh, how often we are afraid and it takes the work of the spirit it takes the work of god to kind of it's going to be okay and and comfort us.
0: What about you, Sarah? What do you think?
1: I'm thinking about the walls of Jericho. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Noah's Ark. I'm thinking about places where things were closed with, with intention um, for some of the same reasons that John mentioned. Um, you know, for the safety of those you know, who are inside, um, I, I, I made a note that I, I thought about the conversations that happen in those places where we have worked hard to make them safe. It could be the counselor's office. It could be the office of the minister. It could be the car rides home from school it's those places where doors are locked for safety and it gives permission or it gives or yields space to um those places where hearts are opened and healed um you know i, I those the, the, these are very treasured intimate conversations in my memory and and they're they're things that i turn over on a regular basis and look at and he listen to again in my head so i see this as an interesting um, fulcrum moment of of lack of language here um, where what's about to occur only occurs because of what happens here. And so for me, it's this wonderful opportunity to connect those dots to things that have happened in my personal life, things that have happened in my family life, things that have happened... Within the community of people I've grown up with, um, and even the people that are new that I'm meeting for the first time. So um, I think about those kinds of situational conditions that permit this kind of relationship conversation to occur. And uh, so that's what it made me think of um, in, in the first reading of the um, language that we're given in this passage.
0: Thank you. Uh, I and the question I and if you're if you're facilitating a class or leading a discussion group today, it seems like just listening to our comments, you can swing it in a broad ways if you're doing historical because you can actually find places where people are locked in or, or walled in to your point or in, in an arc or you know, I would add uh, Lazarus. Is the story is echoing here. They're locked doors, uh, and then in other ways, the idea, the life of the mind, the, the freedom to come and go, or the sheep and the keep, the sheep coming and going inside of the the story of the good shepherd. And I think you know maybe asking it a couple different dimensions might help uh, help the group that's uh, discussing it. I think uh, all through scriptures, when we come up with these histories, in many cases people are not locked in, though we have disciples in the letters, followers of Christ who are going to be locked in prison from time to time uh, as they sing hymns and praise. They're going to be locked out of the world in many ways. But they chose to lock the door too. I think that's important here. they, They lock the doors. They imprison themselves. They set their own doors. They choose to go dark. Uh, Today's language would be, you know, off the grid, going dark, going quiet, uh, safe house, uh, meet me time. Um, So I think, you know, come up with some analogies about what it means to go off the grid. But in this case, they choose. And they choose in ways that may not be connected to reality at all. Christ comes in and says, you know, the whole stage setting is wrong. I love it as a stage setting <clears throat> because it says, you know, a room, first of the week, doors are locked. And then the first thing you learn is, nope, not so locked. <laughs> the convention is completely broken. Locked but not locked. You can't lock your door. This There's this a little theme running through. It goes, you cannot lock the door. You cannot throw a key and you cannot get off the grid. It is not possible. The world is at your feet. Now you happen to be waiting in the wrong place as you're doing that. So I... I think the tomb, John, I'm with you on that. I think Lazarus is out there. And Sarah, you you mentioned the ark, and I was on that as well. And as they prepare, as as they go into another period of waiting, let me pull out the NIV of Genesis 8, 6 through 12. Check this out as a room, isolation, walls, and what's to come. In the days ahead, in the week ahead, after 40 days, Noah opened the window, he made an ark and sent out a raven. It kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. I'll pause. Hopeless, right? Hopeless. Nothing outside. Just fear. Death. The depths. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back himself into the ark. He waited seven more days, a week, again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there was a, in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf, exclamation point. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth, and he waited seven more days and sent out the dove again. But this time, it did not return to him. I mean, I get all kinds of cool annotations after it did not return to him. Because the world's out there, life's out there. There's food out there. There are people out there. As we go forward, well, let's let's elaborate on that second question, uh, which was more about what's in the gospel literature. To is the gospel of locked doors a metaphor for our own lives? Sarah, could you pick up on that one, please?
1: Okay, this is where all the writing went this week for me. I, I'm thinking about John Ryder's. Conversation prior to turning on the recording, and he also alluded to the idea that there's a lot here. So, uh, mine are a list of questions because that's how my brain works. Um, what joy have I withheld from myself as if I locked myself away, judging myself to be unworthy? What have I, have, what have I, with, what have I withheld from others? who have failed to meet my standards of worthiness. Now, you don't get to know my secret because you're not trustworthy. Who have I kept myself from loving, locking them away from inclusion, from welcome, or from honor? What have I withheld from God, thinking that I would be deemed unworthy of the presence um, and you can obey and earn your way into God's heaven. No, you can't. It's all grace. Jesus just shows up, like in this moment, walks in, offers peace, healing, and grace. And I love that that in our human capacity, like in the Garden of Eden, we hide from God. And Jesus just... There's there's not a locked door, or a wall, or a moment that Jesus cannot be in, or I should say Jesus is not in, um, so that almost in every conversation, there he is, there, they are, um, so it becomes this this awareness of the spirit being within the room, within the moment, within the conversation within the relationship. And, uh, and that brings a whole new um, layer, if you will, a, a dimension into the story. And I'm moving from a 2D world into a 3D world, perhaps even four, but the idea being that it's beyond my understanding and that I think I'm locked away and I am not. So I love this I love this whole question. Um and it could it could go on and on and on.
0: Thank you. Uh I'll I'll take the next shot at it. Matt, John that gives you a chance to sum it all up for us. So <laughs> the, uh, Very good. I I uh I like this question because it helps me focus on what the followers of Christ are being asked to do, and today, and there are some differences. You know, Christ is focused on the followers of the time. So, how does this connect today? I want to go back to they locked the doors themselves. Nobody did that. They were not in prison. There is no guard at that door except the life of their own minds. No guard. No commandant. No, I mean, it's a matter of fact, there are no other prisoners. So, I view them as prisoners of their own minds and hearts. Don't blame them. John pointed out the trauma. Don't blame them a bit. The fear is general, abstract. I think at least that's the way I put it there. Uh, and it's meaningless. The, the gospel of locked doors actually is stage directions wrong. The doors are not locked. Jesus comes and goes. He is the God of coming and going. I'm coming to you and I'm going. I'm coming and going. Sheep are in the keep. Sheep are outside of the keep. Coming and going. So I'm wondering in a way if uh, makes me think of banned books. In this case, these are banned people. It's like I'm not going to put myself on the shelf. Hmm. Uh, If they stayed in that room, lived and died by coming and going into a private place where they're off the grid, I wouldn't know this room. It wouldn't exist in history. They had to leave for me to even know the room was there, locked. If they had not left and if they had not told the story so that someone that we know as John put it down, I would not know there. It would be dead then. So just the fact that we're talking about the stage directions for something two thousand years ago says there's life, and life was outside the doors. Uh, I, I'm also wondering, um, you know, are these banned people that view that they, they're not valuable in the world, just like you'd say a banned book should not be outside the doors? Uh, I was thinking about that, and then I was thinking <clears throat> there was the church in that room, but it's not. Uh, The church only exists because they walk out of the door. I don't think the church exists in that room. The whole point of Jesus walking into the room and saying there are no locked doors is this ain't living. This ain't living. This ain't gospel. This ain't love. This ain't service. This ain't spirit. You have to go. And so we catch it today on this podcast and for, you know, months to come as people listen in. We're here talking about it because they, they left. They, choose, they chose to leave. Christ got them out of that room. So there's a real outbreaking instead of inbreaking. Christ inbreaks and then has to go out. So, but for the doors being blown open, there would be no church because they could have stayed. And I think we choose to come and go ourselves. And these are hard decisions sometimes when fear is in our lives. I'm not diminishing the fear, the tendency to lock down is there. Uh, And that's why we love each other and try to help each other and try to talk with each other. Uh, So I think that's it. Otherwise, what would have happened? It would have been the world of Christ still in the tomb, the world of memorials, behind closed doors, remembering the teacher, locked in time forever in the tomb, what great times we had. And there's nothing in this discussion that has anything to do with, oh, weren't they wonderful times. Nothing like that at all. They had to go. My final note, John, uh, before I come to you is I can read this without mysticism. I, I think there's a practical thing here. Yes, Jesus appears and it is mystical and fantastic, but the message of walking out the door is pretty simple. They're, t- they're, mo- they're thinking and moving with their feet and with love. Uh, the week ahead is domestic. Home and hearth, commerce, business. They encounter people around the world who are getting on with their lives. That's, that's our world. We get on with our lives, with the spirit, and we help and we serve each other, and we feel the love as we move about. And, of course, things are about to really take off once they move out of the room. So I, I think there is, this is anti-mystical. Mm. Touch me. Look, my hands, my feet. He's physical. Uh, this is about what we can do for each other. But they had to go. They had to go for us to be able to have this conversation today. Those are my thoughts. John, what about you?
2: Well, I, I, you mentioned fear and, and, and I kind of hit that in the, in the last question. I, I think that's for me, that's the piece that really uh, stands out, that uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot in our world that incites fear in us and those around us that we love. Um, if we, if we look at the news, it's one of the primary ways that our news is presented is um things that we should be afraid of or things that we are afraid of, and it's the way that we they use the hook is is you know you know you're <laughs> Your refrigerator may be trying to kill you. Tune in tonight at 11 p.m. You know, and so it's fear that motivates us. And, and we have this concept of people looking at their news and doom scrolling. It's just bad news after bad news. And So I think there's a lot of fear in our world. And our politicians use it as motivation for fundraising and to draw people to their cause. Um, we fear unknown. We fear economic security um, and, and damage being done to our world. I think the biggest one for me with um, – as someone with with children in school is, you know, we fear for our physical security and places that were once safe. Um, And so every week that we hear of a school shooting or a shooting in the church or a doctor's office, I mean, it's, there's a lot of fear. And it's just like the disciples gathered in that room. It's fear. That's, that's warranted. There's, it's a scary and dangerous world. But I think if we let that fear, drive us, then we just stay in that room with the door locked. Uh, I think we desire to have Christ come into our lives um, and say a word of peace and equip us and get us moving, as you were talking about, Don, moving out of that room. Uh, And so, um, and and I think there are some parallels uh, here. This is John's Pentecost story there's parallels to the, the Acts Pentecost story as we approach Pentecost Sunday, this coming Sunday of, of uh, you know, in that story, the, this mighty wind rushes in and kind of uh, has a moment there. And while we don't see Jesus, you know, kick in the door, in my mind, you know, Jesus doesn't appear meekly. Jesus busts in there, you know, it appears amongst them and it's, it's not a meek little thing. It, it busts into that reality um, to bring a word of peace. And they're terrified. They don't know what he's going to say or how what's going to happen. And the first thing he says to them is, you know, peace be with you. And and that uh, we, a lot of our churches, uh, share a moment of peace uh, as they greet one another. Um, and I think this passage for me is a reminder that that's not just a greeting of how are you doing this morning. That's that's sharing the peace of Christ to say everything is going to be Okay. Um, you know, ultimately, in this scary world that we live in, God is in charge, and that is a wonderful thing. Um, and so, um, this reminder that God's peace triumphs over all, and and who's in charge, I think, is is a wonderful piece for me here. And it's something I think that we all desire. That there's not, um, there's no tomb that's going to constrain him. There's no doors that we can put up that are going to block him. There's no judgment in his encounter with us. It's just peace. Um, and, and we're invited then to respond to that piece by carrying that piece out to others and to share God's love with others. I think, Sarah, I, I loved your questions. And I had a few questions that, that came to mind for me as well. And thinking about doors and, and the fears and the self-protection that we um, uh, you, utilize those for, what, what, you know, what doors of self-protection do I lock myself in? And then I also thought like, how do we do that as a church? What, What doors in our churches are locked because of fear or a desire for self-protection? And maybe it's parts of our history that we don't talk about. Or maybe it's our actual physical facility. Maybe it's elements of worship that are locked off that we want to protect a certain way. Maybe it's programs. But I just feel like there's a question there for our churches as well. Is there places where we're afraid of change or we're afraid of something happening that we just need to let the Holy Spirit, to let Christ bust in there and invite us to be at peace, to feel that breath of the Holy Spirit, and to be ignited for something new. And so that that excites me as I think about other ways that we could kind of think about this. I, I love the parallels between this and the Acts passage, because ultimately the Spirit is disruptive in a positive way, and, and God or Christ is disruptive in a positive way in this moment. It breaks up that huddle of fear, lives are changed, confusion and fear become purpose and power, and there's an exciting moment of what's next. So um, I really like putting these two passages next to one another.
0: Thank you, John. Thank you for being with us today. It's a a pleasure to spend time with you. Uh, And for folks listening in, uh, you're very likely to encounter the John and or the Acts through the week, and thank you for bringing those up, John. Uh, Palmacia Presbyterian Church that makes this podcast possible is at 3501 West San Jose. That's in Tampa, Florida. And for more information, you can go to palmacia.org. That's P A L M A C E I A dot org. We always commend that site to you for great sermons. Sometimes John delivers his sermons there, so check him out. Outstanding music, meditations, prayers, discussions agreements. Uh, So check that out. And you're always welcome. And we'll see you next time.